0: This is a Podcast 225 Production.
1: The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabody. We've got Michael Shingle. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston-Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is The Clay Young Show. What's up? Welcome to episode 202 of the Clay Young Show here on podcast225.com, your home for original content from the Deep South. We are less than two weeks away from our annual fundraiser benefiting military veterans and first responders. It's known as Smoke 'em If You Got 'em. It takes place on Sunday, May 19th, 4 o'clock, Ben 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. In the closing segment today, I'll have some details about what's going to be going on at this year's event. Should be epic. Stick around for that. Our guest on today's show is John Cuvion with JMC Analytics. He recently conducted a survey of likely Louisiana voters concerning the governor's race and the election that's coming up this fall. Some interesting numbers in there. As it related to the president of the United States and where people in Louisiana fall on President Trump, some of those things, really most of them, for me, were, were pretty predictable. We'll ask him about that before we get into the deets on the governor's race and get him to prognosticate about what he thinks is going to happen this fall. I got my thoughts about it, too, and we'll share all of that when John is in the podcast 225 Studio with me in just a moment. So check it out. You can follow me on Twitter at Clay Young BR. On the gram, Instagram. Finally got into that a little bit. At Clay underscore Young BR. And of course on Facebook, just forward slash Clay Young. Got a question or comment about any of the shows that we have done or shows that you would like to see done or hear done, you can email me. That address is clay at podcast225.com. It's a hell of a time in America right now. These shootings, uh, the the shooting in Columbine or near Columbine, excuse me, Colorado earlier this week as we record this, and in Mississippi, in Biloxi, as a matter of fact, an officer who was shot by this young man who was grinning as he was doing his perp walk. And, man, the civility in this country is just, it's eroded to almost nothing now. And when I mean civility, I don't mean that we all have to agree on everything. And I know there are a lot of people who want to blame that on President Trump, but the truth is this kind of stuff has been around long before he was in office. I mean, as I figure it, this you could probably look 20, 25 years back at really the beginning of this full contact full contact opining that's going on that is that's really just so silly now and I mean it's you got these kids growing up in homes where they I mean you go back 25 years and some of these young people who are committing some of this some of this violence out there and they've grown up with this kind of heat being out there publicly and I don't really have the answer of what to do but I'll tell you it's it's pretty startling to see the, the lack of any kind of concern for human life. And, and it's almost becoming one of those things that you're numb to when you open up the newspaper or turn on the evening news and hear about these mass shootings. And I just think that's a shame. That's a shame. So let's switch back to Louisiana and the politics. It's going on here as the governor's race is on the horizon. We will talk about that with John Cuvion. In this here studio, and we'll do it
0: next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your hosts for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the 107.3 mobile app.
1: The 6th Annual Smoke 'Em If You Got Fundraiser presented by Mockler Beverage takes place Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. at Ben 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. This year's event benefits the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation and Special Ops Survivors Foundation. Come enjoy live music, a grill station, a cigar station, a dessert station, and lots of other great surprises. Live auction items include a trip to San Diego and an unbelievable trip to Normandy. Learn more at Smoke em
0: BR.com. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This is the Clay Young Show.
1: Back with John Kubiak with JMC Analytics. First time here in the new building. It's nice. Ah, so how are you, bud? It's been a while. It's
2: been, uh, yes, been a while. Uh, doing very well. Uh, I heard there's an election season out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, a little bit, and it's interesting. Yesterday, I saw I got a push notification about a recent poll done by JMC, and it was about the governor's race. And I said, well, that's as good a reason as any to give John a call to good get him back in right? here. Because I mean, we were gonna do like we've done in election cycles before is get you on to talk about that. But yes, so let's start, let's not bear. Well, before we get to the governor's race, this this survey also had another aspect It talked about the president's approval rating in Louisiana. It did. I, I said in the open that there was not much in there that surprised me. It was pretty predictable as I thought it would go. Did you see it the same way?
2: Yes. The one thing that did surprise me, though, spoiler alert, number one, what Edwards's numbers were in absolute terms, and number two, how much his numbers did or didn't change depending on who you paired him against. Okay. Those two things did surprise me. Well, but I mean, specifically about the president. And, uh, Not really. Yeah. Nothing,
1: nothing there was surprising to you, right?
2: No, because the thing that's interesting about President Trump is... You really have two aspects to his popularity. Number mm-hmm. 1, you have the fact that he started off with 46% of the national popular vote. His latest RCP average is R- R- RCP meaning of course Real Clear Politics. Uh, Re- yeah, Real Clear Politics. I, I, you know, I don't like people who throw on acronyms, so I try to practice what I preach. Yeah. His RCP, real clear politics, average is in the 43 to 44% range. Republican congressional candidates for Congress last year got 45%. Mm-hmm. So what that suggests to me is that whatever vote President Trump started out with yeah. has not changed very much. No. It declined a tiny bit. Of course, it's less than the majority. Mm-hmm. However, because he carried Louisiana so substantially in 2016, mm-hmm. more specifically a 58-38 margin over Hillary Clinton, yeah. A slight decline in his popularity in Louisiana basically knocks him from 58 down to 54. In other words, nothing really particularly surprising. Yeah,
1: even going down from 58 to 54 to me is a reflection of some Republicans being a little agnostic about his style right now more than anything else. I, I think among among. Philosophical Democrats, and I can't say registered Democrats because, you know, in Louisiana, that doesn't mean that a registered Democrat is voting Democrat. I mean, Republicans among the three sections, Democrat, no party, and Republican are the smallest group, I believe.
2: No party, and Republican are actually kind of neck and neck. They're neck neck and neck now. Lately, Republicans have begun to pull ahead. Okay. I am seeing a steady diminution in terms of the spread between registered Democrats and registered Republicans. I could see a case that in about 20 years, you would actually have a plurality of registered Republicans in the state. Yeah, 20 years from now.
1: But, you know, again, on on the numbers with the president and, and you can look at John's survey, the poll, and then also go and check out the cross tabs, which always hold a lot of information that that you don't get unless you really dig into the weeds on it. And uh, the president's approval in Louisiana among white voters is 74 percent, among black voters 9 percent. Yes. And the other category, which was interesting, it's 43 percent with a total number, as John talked about, of 54 percent. The disapproval among black voters in Louisiana is 75 percent among white voters. It's only. 18% and among other uh, races it's 54%. You know, the
2: racial reality of his popularity is so glaring. Yes. Yeah, you have a you have a pretty staunch polarization here. And so you basically could take the approximate of the registered voters who are black, Mm -hmm. and they would almost exactly be canceled out against that population of 30 to 35% of registered Republicans. Right. In other words, the Republican support for President Trump—and by the way, I'm seeing this whether you're talking about Louisiana or other states— Republican support staying strong. The challenge for President Trump, of course, is not everybody's a Republican. Right. And that was, in my opinion, the underappreciated aspect of the two thousand eighteen Democratic landslide. Mm-hmm. And yes, I did say landslide because I know there's this been this endless spin about what happened last fall.
1: You mean with the election the presidential election?
2: Uh, the midterms.
1: Oh the mids oh the midterms were a landslide. Yes, let's not even waste time on that. Right, I'm just talking about what other. Experts- no, no, you're right, and and I, I get it, but we're not going to we we don't. You're right. It would look look Up at the it. Free zone. Hell, <laughs> I, I can throw a bucket of water on you, and you can deny it all day
2: long. But <laughs> you and I both know you're all wet. So, right. anyways, the, yeah. The, the, the thought I want to conclude before we get to the good stuff yeah. is that. While President Trump's uh, support amongst Republicans has remained constant, the Mm -hmm. underappreciated aspect of what has been going on nationally, and to a much lesser extent in Louisiana, is the fact that the independent-slash-apolitical types, Mm -hmm. they've peeled off Trump. That was disastrous for the Republicans last year. He's going to have to do a better job with that, but that's a discussion we'll have at a later date.
1: But there are a couple of other little tidbits in this thing that I wanted to ask you about. So. Mm John's poll not only talks about the overall popularity, but if you dig into the crosstabs and the crosstabs for those who are wondering what the heck's a crosstab, those are the specific different demographic you know sections of a survey from gender to region to race to politics, all those things. And looking at the regional portion of this, I, w- I will tell you that there are a couple of surprises in that part for me. Okay. I'm going to throw them at you. First of all, the 75% approval in Alexandria is yes. like, wow, that high. The 57% approval
2: in Shreveport was like,
1: wow, that low.
2: Well, one thing you have to appreciate. So when I'm saying Alexandria and Shreveport, I'm talking about the media market. Okay. The Shreveport media market. It's is, similar
1: to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah, it's
2: well, it's a it's in the 35 to 40 percent black range Mm -hmm. because the Shreveport Media Markets Northwest Louisiana. Right. So you have such parishes as Natchitoches and Claiborne and all that. So. President Trump being in the upper 50s and his disapproval rating being in the upper 30s is not particularly surprising in the Shreveport media market because you do have not only a substantial black voter population there, but you have a lot of racial polarization.
1: Yeah. Well, what about Alexandria?
2: Alexandria is central Louisiana. Basically, it is a very populist area, lower black population, mm-hmm. because Alexandria is actually including Vernon and Grant and surrounding okay.
1: parishes.
2: Okay. So, Sin Law. So, New Orleans, almost fifty percent. Right now, the thing that's interesting about New Orleans, this is uh, again, you have to you know talk think in terms of media market. So
1: you're pulling in you're pulling in Metri and some of those other oh, yeah. more affluent areas, St. which Tammany, which Tangible which Ho. the North Shore. So that would bring the number up. Correct. Because otherwise, if oh, you're yeah. New Orleans proper. There ain't no way 48%. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But but I think that's one thing to appreciate too. The New Orleans media market, believe it or not, includes everything from Tangipahoa Parish all the way down okay. to Homatippi. That's, that's
1: true. When you're talking media market, I mean it's a big bubble all the way, you know, all the way through Orleans Parish. Yes. And then you're talking about, you know, the North Shore, St. Tammany Parish, Hammond, and all those areas, and and that's that's more diverse in a, in a great number of ways.
2: Yes. And and so you know I could I, I could Although do what, the interesting thing, you know, it's kind of funny how different people can interpret polls different ways. The first thing that caught my attention when I read the poll, of course, since I've I've done this so many times, I already know what New Orleans quote unquote means. Yeah. You do have though a urban-rural split, which, by the way, also pervades into the statewide uh, race in addition to the presidential, which is people in the more urban areas, to some extent the suburban areas, are not quite as solidly Republican when you're talking about Donald Trump. In other words, relatively speaking, the New Orleans and Baton Rouge media markets, Uh President Trump is not getting all of the attitudinally Republican vote. Because in places like in Oak Hills or Palter States mm-hmm. and so forth, some of those Republicans don't like pro-tariff, uh, build-the-wall type of rhetoric. Well,
1: I think that's one of the problems he's having across the country. Yes. Is I think people, a lot of Republicans have in conversations that I've had with, with them, they compartmentalize the performance from the messaging And I think that that is kind of dangerous. But at the same time, people do that in politics. They can say, we don't always like how our elected person does what they do, but they're our guy or they're our gal. And that's kind of the way that that works. I think for him, you do run a file of people need to always remember that you campaign on the extremes. You run to win in the middle. Yes. And that really is the way that it works.
2: And towards what you're saying about run to win in the middle, hopefully there's some young 19-year-old politicos out there who could use a nugget of wisdom Mm -hmm. here and there. In my opinion, the trade-off that Team Trump made, which I think is not a particularly smart one, is this thought of chasing after blue-collar union votes in places like Duluth, Minnesota and Cleveland, Ohio and Detroit, Michigan, which... Some of that is good from the standpoint of winning those blue states. Mm -hmm. However, if the rhetoric you're espousing to capture those areas also means that you're going to be slipping in places – that are growing, like the suburbs of Dallas, Atlanta, yeah. Phoenix, and so forth.
1: You mean costing yourself some of the lock solid Republican yes. vote for the vote that, that only flirts with voting Republican.
2: Exactly. And yeah. I would also say making short term gains that's going to cost you in the in long, the long term. term. Because places like Texas and Georgia and Arizona absolutely do not need to be competitive states, but they no. were.
1: Well, and, and I think that that is, but if I, if I could push back on that just a little bit, may. that is l- largely, in my opinion, because he was such an unknown as a candidate when he ran the first time. And the midterm I think was as much about a Republican malaise as it was about Democrats being uber motivated to turn out in record numbers in some places because of the emotional factor. Now to what you said about the sacrifice, that short term game for the long-term sacrifice or loss, I think is, is astute. However, if, if, the president is running against a vice president biden Mm -hmm. where those that that election is largely going to be about turn of phrase zingers and not a whole lot about policy then that plays right into trump's style of populism on the campaign trail would you agree with that to
2: some extent the thing though is when you're talking about the fact that you're barely skating above water in places like Texas and Arizona mm-hmm. and Georgia, what if you lose 3% on the basis of your presidential performance and all of a sudden there's the possibility you might lose Texas or yeah. Georgia Arizona? I Arizona? Mean, Which like, would be devastating to a Republican. Oh, un- undoubtedly. Yeah. Because the thing is, you lose a state like Texas, where are you going to pick it up? New York?
1: Yeah. What right. is that, 55 electoral votes? Uh,
2: 38.
1: California's is uh, California's uh, 55.
2: California's 55. Five, yes. Yeah. Texas is 38.
1: 38. Yeah. It's weird that we sit here and know that, but don't judge us. Yeah. So, so the, the, th- that's so interesting. But anyway, we, we, we've got time to come back to talk about the presidential politics. Yes. The reason that had uh, people throwing bric-a-brac and cursing your name on the fourth floor of the state Capitol uh-huh. has to do with the other portion of this yes. survey by JMC analytics. And that dealt with the governor's race. So. John's poll, as, as we talked about, dealt with the national politics. And uh, one of the questions for governor, or the first question in here for governor is, if the election for governor were held today, which candidate would you support? Eddie Responi got 7%. Ralph Abraham got 23%. 32% of the respondents were undecided. The sitting governor, John Bill Edwards, got 38%. Now... There are so many ways to look at this, one being the governor got the highest percentage out of all of the available options. But I want to tell you the realistic, not candyland, way to view this. Yes. And that is that 62 percent of the respondents did not go for the governor. Now, that doesn't mean that it's, it's catastrophe, it's the apocalypse, it's all over. We're talking about May. Right. But I want to tell you that that is the biggest headline in this. Do you agree?
2: But you know what's interesting, though? Actually, in this case, I won't. Okay. <laughs> Here's what's interesting. So in my opinion, Governor Edwards's people committed what I would call an unforced error, How so? Here's why. So, first off, the messaging that I have said to any reporter who has has interviewed me is I said his numbers are good but not great. Mm -hmm. So you've had a curious dichotomy between what's going on in terms of how the national press is reporting this and Mm -hmm. what's going on in terms of how Governor Edwards' people reacted. So in terms of the national press, they see Governor Edwards with a quote-unquote large lead, and they say life is good. It's sunshine and puppy time. But... Here in Louisiana, Governor Edwards's people, in my opinion, I'll admit being surprised at the extent of their reaction because, number one, they should have just let the national media carry the narrative mm-hmm. and not exacerbated things. Number two, when you're going all out saying stuff like it's a fantasy poll or one of the persons who was connected with the Edwards hierarchy was making all kinds of demands upon me where had he spent 15 seconds reading the methodology, he could have had the answer he needed. Mm -hmm. And then a a Democratic pollster affected with the campaign was making remarks about my being irresponsible, yada, yada, yada. Why were were they saying you were being irresponsible? I did a separate tweet where I was showing what the numbers were for the major parishes. Okay. So... You know stuff that stuff that well reported. what's
1: responsible i am trying yeah. to understand what was res- irresponsible about that the numbers
2: that weren't the numbers weren't good to them <laughs> oh well i mean come on let's let's all be grown up <laughs> well, they so, were, more specifically let me be fair to the democratic pollster they were he he was upset about well you're using small sample sizes large margin of error Da okay partially valid criticism but if you're talking about numbers that logically make sense in terms of how these parishes typically vote, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing was they were all upset about Lafayette Parish's numbers, whereas had they just kind of calmed down a minute, they could have seen that the East Baton Rouge numbers were very good. So anyway, like I said, it was kind of interesting how, I well, guess, surprised, how, dis- how you know, know, vociferous they were in their being upset at the poll because, like I said, to me, they could have just let it blown by and let the national media carry. Them.
1: East Bat Rouge is likely going to go for go to Governor John Bill Edwards oh, because yeah, East e- EBR went to President Obama twice, it went to Secretary Clinton, it went to Senator Landrew. EBR's demographics have shifted. Regionally speaking, the, so the percentage for EBR, the percentage for the Bat Rouge region for Governor Edwards is 40. I would surmise if it was only East Baton Rouge Parish that number would be upwards of fifty percent, probably somewhere between forty-eight and fifty-four percent, or, or or could be higher. But it, but it, but since the last election. Uh, John, some of that demographic has shifted even more, which is why, you know, but but I want to I lay that out there and then give you a chance to respond to it all. The reason why I think it's at 40% and not higher is because you do add in the capital region, which includes more conservative mm-hmm. areas near the center of Baton Rouge,
2: correct? It's the 225 area code, to put it simplistically, okay. in St. Mary Parish. So in other words, whatever democratic margin you're going to have in East Baton Rouge Parish will be okay. more than canceled out by what is in Livingston and Ascension.
1: Okay. Okay, so the numbers, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, give your website for people who want Yes, wanna.
2: winwithjmc.com, and I posted this article about the poll yesterday.
1: Okay, so I, I encourage you to read it and go through the 11 pages of, of information there. It's, 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 it's good data. So specifically, now, uh, before I get to the crosstabs, going back to the questions uh, about the governor's race, um, if the runoff election for governor were held today which candidate would you support now this is interesting and also devastating for one particular candidate at least as it stands today 24 percent of the respondents are undecided ralph abraham pulls 36 percent governor edwards pulls 40 percent now that 24 percent is so important yes
2: and here's the interesting thing about the And polls. the
1: devastating for the, I'm sorry, the yeah, devastation no. for one candidate is that uh, Eddie Rasponi doesn't show up, but go ahead.
2: Right, and I'm going to address both of those at the same time, because naturally, what what always happens with these kinds of polls is mm-hmm. that you, you're going to make someone happy and someone upset, yeah. and the person who's happy is going to spin it wildly out of proportion. Mm-hmm. The person who's upset is going to try to find that little one thing that's imperfect and try to run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the name of the game. Let me first talk about, uh, I guess, really Rasponi vis-a-vis the undecideds. Mm-hmm. What I think is the more correct number, I personally did not concern myself with the Abraham versus Rasponi spread just because it's way too early. Yeah. No, one, no one spent any money. And, and most people don't know who the hell either one of them are yet. Yes. And inconvenient truth here, I'll have every political consultant mad at me, but such is life. Just because you're putting Facebook ads or posts talking about, well, I went to such and such festival and I met with such and such yesterday and I'm doing campaign messaging on Facebook. Let's be honest, do you really think that people are going to be going into Facebook to see what's going on in the governor's race? No. but. The important thing, though, is I'm mentally— added- Shots fired. Yeah. it's <laughs> my last podcast, right? <laughs> well, not with me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Meet me personally. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll never see you again. <laughs> yeah. It's been a good life. <laughs> but anyway, good- <laughs> uh, more, more specifically, though, the way I look at these numbers is two ways. Number one, I look at the combined vote of Abraham plus Rasponi. Mm-hmm. Number two, I take the undecided Republicans, lump them into that bucket— Number three, I take the Black undecided, lump a Governor Edwards. Mm-hmm. Using that, it's a 45-42 race. In other words, Governor Edwards gets 45, the Republican vote combined is 42. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, when you're talking about Abraham versus Rasponi's strength, of course you have Abraham's people, they're they're running with this and making it seem like their guy's is already in the governor's mansion and and Rasponi needs to drop out, yada, yada, yada. Well, the only thing about it is Rasponi has ten times the cash on hand that Abraham does. Well, you know, the, and I think i I going back on one of the details here,
1: mm-hmm. I, and I missed something in there, and I want to clarify that for the purpose of— of accuracy. So Eddie Rasponi pulls in at 7%, and that's kind of a little bit of what you were talking about. Correct. But I want to talk about the head to head, and that's what I referenced earlier. Yes. Um, When you put Eddie Rasponi in there instead of Ralph Abraham, the governor, instead of 40, 36, and 24, it's 41, 28, 31. Yes. Now, is that because that is just a hard republican i'm not voting for john bell because he's a democrat number that 28 percent, or that's
2: i would say to some extent that's the case yes okay the thing that i think that's equally worth your time and attention however is you'll notice that governor edwards's numbers barely change from 40 to 41 regardless right. so the way i look at that is governor edwards right now has a fairly solid vote Rasponi is not as well known, and one right. advantage that Abraham has right now, despite having one-tenth of the cash on hand, is that, of course, Congressman Abraham has elected office. Mm-hmm. So if you were to look at his numbers in the Alexandria and Monroe media markets, Abraham's numbers are very good, mm-hmm. because he takes time to work his district yeah. and so forth. that's I was going to
1: say. That's his district.
2: So that, to me, is a large part of why you have an Abraham at 36 and a Rasponi at 28. Can I throw this? Okay, so... so
1: this is the fifth question in the survey yes. survey. Do you believe that Governor John Bell Edwards has been good or bad for Louisiana, Louisiana's business climate? Now here's what's interesting. And if I'm in the Edwards machine, I actually see this as an optimistic uh, leaning um, outcome because so you you are all in the room with us on this the undecided percentage is 26% 35% say bad 39% good so only 35% of the respondents are decidedly on the negative side some people say no it's the, the majority number 39 says good job 26 hasn't come to a conclusion and in government if it's not we hate you that means you, I got a chance love. to make you like me, <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. So yeah. I look at that and I'm thinking, okay, oh, you know, two-thirds nearly of the the respondents at least don't think we're doing a poor job.
2: I'm going to take what you're saying and twist it in a different way, however. Twist on. And this is going to be looking at one specific crosstab. It's near the bottom of page nine. It's looking at the results by region. Okay. What really caught my attention about this, well, first off, the fact that roughly even numbers thought he was good or bad for the business climate. I said, okay, that's that's interesting. It shows that that particular messaging point does not necessarily pack a lot of punch. <laughs> and let me tell you, just so
1: you guys know, <laughs> with what JC is talking about on the on the business climate. So Alexandria, as we've already told you, is 75% in favor of President Trump. They're only 18% on the good side. But when you talk about consistently one number, the Baton Rouge region, 45%, Lafayette, 43%, Lake Charles, 40%, Monroe, 40%, New Orleans, 42%. Shreveport's pretty low on the good side at uh, at 29% with, with a total of 39%. So you're right, across the state, people are fairly similar on their opinion about that
2: yes and i'm gonna here's where i'm gonna go way out in left field so like i said the numbers on the surface there's really nothing remarkable good or bad yeah but when you look at how the distribution is by media market Mm -hmm. i see an overarching narrative in this governor's race that also has national implications if you remember yes and here's here's where i'm gonna go with this All these things you could learn from polls, right? Man. Okay. Here's the interesting narrative, which I see has some implication in the governor's race. When Donald Trump won, I was referring to the short-term strategy he pursued by going after places like Duluth, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Cleveland, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. Mm Okay. Okay. What I think was really determinative of how the presidential race was going was if you felt optimistic or pessimistic about your own personal situation. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you're fearful about things and or not optimistic economically as Mm -hmm. to how life is going, Mm -hmm. those people were more apt to support Trump as the rebel and the outsider. Someone's going to shake up the system. Correct. Whereas if you're making money, life is good, it's prosperity all around, such as in the Houston and Dallas and Atlanta suburbs, Right. you're going to go with the incumbent. I see echoes of that here in Louisiana. More specifically, when you're talking about a big economic divide in terms of some parts of the state yeah. are seeing much more activity, yeah. relatively speaking, than others. What I would call the more optimistic parts of the state are the Baton Rouge and New Orleans media markets. Right. Southeast Louisiana. Yeah. A 10, 12 corridor, however you want mm-hmm. to call it. Those areas are more optimistic about things. They therefore see Governor Edwards as being good for the business mm-hmm. climate, and they're more likely to support him. However, once you cross what I jokingly call the Cypress Curtain, which is roughly around Whiskey Bay. Couldn't buy time in a clock shop. <laughs> So once you get past the uh, roughly the Whiskey Bay area and you're mm-hmm. getting into the Lafayette media market, those parts of the state have, relatively speaking, are seeing less economic mm-hmm. activity mm-hmm. and or population growth, as evidenced by the recent census figures. Yeah. They are less optimistic about things, and they therefore showed a much stronger Trump vote. Yeah. They, it, Trump even did better than Mitt Romney in those parishes. I also think, too, and this by the way is in individual polls I've done in legislative districts where I throw in the governor's race. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a huge drop in terms of Edwards support in those more rural and smaller towns. But well, I think he markets. can get that back though. I, I think Governor
1: Edwards, to to be fair to him uh, has overperformed in a lot of ways that statewide Democrats have not been able to do here in years. And the large factor, obviously, in him being elected was the David Vitter factor. Yes. But since then, he has managed to not become greatly hated by Republicans.
2: I would agree on the greatly hated. I do think, though. Obviously, his getting 56% of the vote, very unlikely. Well, that was a bitter factor. It was. It was. Where I think the number truly is for Governor Edwards regarding primary performance, runoff performance, and all that, I see him falling somewhere in the 45 to 51% range, meaning that if he wins, it's going to be by the barest of margins. If he loses— It's going to be that standard 55% Republican performance. Right. Because one of the things that Governor Edwards is going to have to deal with, regardless of his performance, Mm -hmm. is the state is becoming less and less hospitable to Democrats as we go along. And, of course, Governor Edwards is a Democrat. So he has to wear that party label. Yeah. He, you know, I I think that, and I had this
1: conversation with someone last week, earlier this week, as a matter of fact, is that this governor has avoided... The specter of any major scandal in four years. Obviously, there there have been a few missteps. I think the tops, the rollout of the tops plan within his first year where there was talk about no football at Tiger Stadium and all of this, that was clearly a misstep. But in the era of politics, it's so... ADD that whatever you're mm-hmm. focusing on now by tomorrow could be something you don't even remember. Yes. And I think for him going forward, Abraham is aggressive and is out there. And and, and one of the things that I think Eddie Responi has missed on is the opportunity to create a brand or at least make people recognize his name if they see it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, what's going to be interesting. I don't want to bury the election outcome stuff with you now because I want way you to come early. back. It's way, way too early.
2: Plus two, like I said, I go back to the fundamentals. Rasponi has two fundamentals that only matter to those who are more on in the inside game than the average voter at this point. Which are? $10 million. Yeah. <laughs> and he has the same team of people who helped a governor win the race in Tennessee. Yeah. And incidentally, in that governor's race in Tennessee, you had an outsider Republican running against... A congressman and an insider type uh-huh. and they brought in their DC consultants and spent a lot of money and of course created a lack of message uh-huh. or coherent message for their candidate whereas Bill Lee who is the currently the governor of Tennessee he was running on the outsider message yeah. and so those same consultants who helped Bill Lee are helping Rasponi out and plus two I don't see Rasponi as someone who's gonna allow his brand to be misconstrued it's just a case of when do you start turning on the spigot financially i think you have i i think that was two months ago i think it was too listen i would say at least till the legislature adjourns
1: i think it was well see that this but this is the thing if you start this in Mm mid-february if you are out there messaging your campaign if you are talking to people about where Louisiana is as a candidate because the governor has the bully pulpit because he is actually doing the job and every time he shows up in a part of the state to announce something or deals with some statewide issue that's publicity for him because not only is he the governor he's a candidate for the election that's coming up this this fall right for Responi specifically, you get out there and you ha- people have to know you because, as you say, when the session starts, you got to shut all that off. Right. And I think that that was an opportunity missed. So here's what's going to happen coming up after session. Before session, early on, you would have been, in my opinion, one of the only voices out there. When the session's over, it's going to be a big chorus. Yes. Because then everybody's stuff is going to kick up. And it's, you're going to have to spend
2: more money to rise above the noise. You do. I'm going to take what you said, though, and kind of twist it in a different direction. The kind of conventional wisdom as to when to start spending money is typically Labor Day, or some may say qualifying in early August. Now... It's conventional
1: wisdom because most people do it. Exactly. I I tend to move in a direction to first prioritize the fact. And this is I say this to people in business and I believe this in politics. Always remember people have lives. Yes. Always remember people have lives. And if your approach is when I start talking, they're going to stop to listen. You're dead before you start. Right. You had to give him a reason, and again, when news things, you know, I saw this. Did you see this press? Because Lionel Rainey is one of the best at grabbing something and using it to create yeah. a ball of smoke somewhere. Uh, and you know the thing with the with Ralph Abraham doing the tearing up the thing. Yes, you know, yeah, you know. I mean, that's that's a cute little thing to use for attention, but that's not going to be a lasting thing. But it's something that went out there that got people talking for a little while. Right. So. Uh, You know, any other thoughts about this that you may not have been able to share? Don't worry, y'all are going to hear a lot from John between now and the election. But (laughs) I kind of wanted to deal specifically about the poll because, you know, I'd like you and I to get to a place where we're talking about some of these other statewide races too, the legislative turns Mm -hmm. in different regions, because we've got a bunch of legislative seats up for
2: grabs this year. So but any other thing about this? I just think the important thing to realize or I guess take from this poll, number one, any talk of Governor Edwards winning in the first primary is irresponsible. I think that that's crazy. It, I also think too, from the standpoint of if you're Governor Edwards, it it does a disservice to him if your consultants are whispering that nonsense into your ear. Because I heard the same kind of talk coming from Mary Landrieu's camp in 2014, where they were talking about, you know, she had 10 million dollars, she's chairman of this committee, blah blah blah, and she's going to win without a runoff. Well, she came far far <laughs> from it. So like I said, I'm gonna to stick to what I said, you know, before. Governor Edwards is a good but not great position. I do think it should be a source of concern for him that his numbers don't change markedly depending on if you put him against two people versus one. I also think too the Abraham versus Responey numbers in my opinion are irrelevant. Because in addition to the fact—this is this is getting to some good uh, political insider stuff here—in addition to the fact that Congressman Abraham has name recognition in two media markets, mm-hmm. he also just happens to be alphabetically the first Republican <laughs> on the ballot. <laughs> That's right. And never underestimate— That matters. Yes. And I'll even give you two examples. They did not win elections per se, but they got more of a vote than you would have thought they should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Senate race in 2016, Charles Bustani. Yeah. Remember yeah. how he came this close yeah, to Dr. making Bruce the run? Yeah, the other thing which I think this is not exactly being well, it is first name on the ballot. Uh, everyone last year in the Secretary of State's race was going on and on about how Fontenot Free was a lock to make the Democrat. Democratic runoff because she has a resume, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Well, I looked at her cash on hand number. She had about $50,000. I'm thinking that's barely enough to run a legislative race. Right. And lo and behold, there was another candidate, a black lady named Gwen Collins Greenup. Mm -hmm. Collins Greenup alphabetically was before Fontenot Free in the alphabet. And guess who made the runoff? Yeah. And then along the lines of Never assuming that voters have 100% perfect knowledge when they go to the polls. They have lives. Yes. There's a gentleman named Thomas N. Kennedy. Didn't have enough money to even file a finance report. He got 9% of the vote in the Secretary's... So in other words, the way I look at the Abraham number, he currently has a head start because, of course, Alexandria and Monroe love him. Mm -hmm. Nothing nothing particularly surprising there. And the fact that he alphabetically is the first Republican. Where it will get interesting to me is once Abraham and or Rasponi start spending money is watching the inflection or the delta in the numbers. Mm-hmm. That's when I can make more intelligent assessments as to just right now where I think, you know, th- this is just a Republican vote against Governor Edwards. Whether you much. Abraham or Rasponi. And, you know, the,
1: the Eddie Rasponi obviously has the biggest... Potential for an upside because of where he polls in relation to the governor and Congressman Abraham. Uh, But Congressman Abraham has the shortest distance to travel to get to the strongest spot against Governor Edwards in this because he's so
2: much closer. I mostly agree with you, but here's another peculiar phenomenon about Louisianians that if you were in Congressman Abraham's uh, camp, you Mm -hmm. better be cautious about. Louisianians have not only, what I would say, a fairly short attention span as to who the favorite person of the month will be, but Louisianians love to support the late contenders. More specifically, you'll remember a gentleman named Buddy Fromer. Yeah. Mike Foster. Yep. 2003, Bobby Jindal. Bobby Jindal. In other words, these candidates were not, according to conventional wisdom, supposed to be the nominees. But Jindal had a heck of a
1: lot of groundswell from Republicans because he he was, because at the time you remember, he used the fact that he had done something with the Bush administration. They they went on to ask him to not mention that in his campaign ads and he had to stop doing it. But the groundswell was there. But Kathleen Blanco ran a good old fashioned, tight-nosed race Yes, and really on the night of the final debate on WWL when she cried talking about her personal life, that was it.
2: But the other thing, too, that was interesting about that race, let me me back up a half step about what I say about Jindal. Mm -hmm. In other words, his finishing first in the primary with 34% of the vote, as opposed to if he had just slipped in with 15, just because he was the Republican. I do think that what happened was he caught the popular attention, and... Oh, Edwards, too. He got 40% of the vote in the primary. Yeah. Most people were writing him off or even wondering if there would be a Democrat in the runoff. Mm-hmm. Point being is you have a candidate, whether it be Abraham or Responi, who can catch people's attention and will surge late. I've seen it happen too many times to dismiss it as just some kind of a odd event.
1: I agree. I agree. So, again, where can people see this? information yes. it's it is we've been sitting here talking about it for almost 40 minutes it's good good stuff if you are a politico and you want to not just see this but understand it in a way that isn't over your head and I don't mean that as a derogation I mean people have lives but right. you do. can go to the website and you can see it it is winwithjmc.com
2: yes i also have it on my twitter feed at, at, at @winwithjmc i'll typically like to post things not only about this poll but about any kind of demographic observations that i see and so like i said that and of course my facebook page jmc enterprises where i like to in a nonpartisan manner like to talk about things that i see Mm -hmm. well we'll keep him from
1: making any more comments about responi so he lives to make it back here for another podcast interview yes
2: (laughs) thank you jc been a pleasure
0: Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over forty years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones, their intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses—it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Oh, take my word for it. Give them a call at 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. Executone. On LA.com, executive tone of Louisiana. They still here and they're gonna continue to give you great service. Hi, this is Mayor Sharon Weston Broom, inviting you to listen to the WeBR podcast, an initiative of my Women's Advancement Commission. Our show will air the first and third Wednesday of each month. We invite you to listen to our podcast by visiting www.podcast225.com. That's www.podcast225.com. And by subscribing through the Apple Podcast app. That's WeBR Podcast.
1: Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today.
0: This is The Clay Young Show.
1: Less than two weeks away from the sixth annual Smoke em If You Got em. It takes place on Sunday, May 19th at Ben 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. One great party for one amazing cause. This year benefiting two great organizations. The Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, and Special Ops Survivors Foundation. Learn about both of these very great groups at smokeembr.com. That's smokeembr.com. Let's talk about it. The event starts at 4. Features a grill station presented by Insurance Procurement Services, Brian Bennett. He'll be out there with the grill working. Some Louisiana jambalaya for you mm-hmm Geico Insurance is going to be out there with their dessert station, all kinds of goodies for people who are enjoying the out of doors at Ben 77. Don Juan cigar Company. they're providing the cigars for this year's event. When you get in to the event you will be presented if you are so inclined with a fine premium cigar. Jack Daniels single barrel select is sending special edition Smoke'em bottles. That'll be at the event. Now, Machler Beverage, the presenting sponsor of the sixth annual Smoke em If You Got em, Well, they're doing a beer station and it is going to be pretty amazing for those who want a brewski while they're out there enjoying what the grill station and the dessert station have to offer. There will also be live music at this year's event. There's live music every year and it's always amazing. So you get to enjoy that not to mention the live and the silent auctions. Let's talk about that. In this year's event, now, you can win, or with an auction, are you really? You can could, you could outbid others for a chance to go and to train with Navy SEALs. That's right. You can go train with Navy SEALs. You can see what you have when you go against or go along with some of the best and strongest America can produce. Those guys will be there with you in San Diego, you can get that. You can also outbid others for a chance to go to Normandy for the 75th anniversary. A big group is going to that event and you can be a part of it. There are also concerts. Carrie Underwood, Eric Church, Michael Buble, among those you can get at this year's live auction. Not to mention, a dinner at Ben 77 Bistro. A dinner at Doe's Eat Place. Get some cow at Doe's. A host of other silent auction items, including Saints jerseys, LSU memorabilia. How about a replica of the Saints' last Super Bowl, really only Super Bowl championship ring? You can get that at Smoke'em. How about a replica of the LSU Tigers football team last championship ring? You can get that at Smoke'em a Willie Nelson autographed guitar. I'm talking about a long list of stuff, folks. And all it costs you is $100 to get into the event. All of that money benefits those great organization. Hey, Jenny, Jenny Bourgeois, who is a member of the Baton Rouge Police Department, has a painting that we talked about it on social media. It's gonna be there for the live auction. It is a great painting of Lady Liberty with the words, Freedom is not free. It's great, so I hope that uh, you take the opportunity to get out there to this year's event because it is going to be special. It is Sunday, May nineteenth, at Ben Seventy Seven Bistro in Baton Rouge. You can buy tickets online at smokeembr.com, smokeembr.com, or you can get them at the door. As I said to you earlier, tickets are only a hundred dollars. The money benefits both the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation and the Special Ops Survivors Foundation. We enjoy putting this party on every year. Pest stop Do-It-Yourself is in there as a sponsor. My buddy John Conroy, who is a great American and who's always along with us. Jeff and Kelly LaDuff with Open Eye Safety Training and Consulting. They're going to be there. They are also a sponsor. And the chief is going to be talking at this year's event because he's such a great speaker about why events like this are important and why the public needs to have a bridge with law enforcement and members of our armed forces. So it's going to be a great one, man. I'm excited about it every year. It seems like it comes around faster and faster. And next week, we'll have even more details on this year's Smoke em. I'm excited. Tickets are already moving. I got a report yesterday showing the tickets are moving online. So don't don't mess around, man. Get your seat. Make sure you are at this year's event. Uh, Thanks again to John Conroy, John Conroy, John Cuvion with JMC Analytics for coming in and talking with us about the upcoming governor's race and his poll that was recently done. Some fascinating insight in there. And as you heard, I just uh, the governor's position has been strong up to this point, and we'll see how that translates into what will happen at the polls this fall. But this this is going to be a very interesting election cycle. I mean, you think about the fact that he is really the only Democrat in the Gulf South, in the deep South, and in such a red, red state. It's it's going to be there, – there's not, neither of the two challengers are very well known now. And I think over time they are out there doing their best to change that reality. So there you have it. All right, guys, don't forget, smokeandbr.com. Thanks for being with us again for another edition of The Clay Young
0: Show. Y'all take it easy. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.